Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And this week, as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farber. Are you guys ready to travel back in time to the 90s and talk about some action films? Gotta go back in time. <laughs> Wrong decade. Wrong decade. Oh, sorry. Uh, 90s. <laughs> 90s. Um, yeah, so this week we're going to talk about remakes, sequels, reboots, and all those other buzzwords that Hollywood studios love to throw around. Um, we are inspired by the news that Adam Wingard has signed on to direct a sequel to the 1997 film Face Off, and we're going to go ahead and explain why that's a terrible idea and instead offer <laughs> the studios – well, it is a bad idea. We'll get to that. But yeah. instead we're going to offer studios three of our own picks for 90s action films that they should remake or have sequels or reboots or whatever you want to call it. Because we know Hollywood's going to Hollywood, remakes are here to stay, but they don't always have to be bad. But before we uh, take a trip down memory lane and talk about some pastel colors, bad CGI, and a young J-Lo, I got to tell you that the Playlist <laughs> Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Discourse, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. If you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Also, speaking of podcasts, this week is kind of like a de facto impromptu Nicolas Cage Appreciation Week for the Playlist Podcast. In addition to this show and Face Off, we spoke with Kevin Lewis from Willie's Wonderland, a new Nicolas Cage movie. So you can check that interview out in our feed as well. Really good interview, if I do say so myself. Here, here. Here, here. <laughs> okay, guys. But before we talk about our own films that we want to get remade, let's actually talk about the news that inspired the episode. Last week, it was announced that Adam Wingard, who's probably best known for directing the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong, but you really should know him from his earlier films, You're Next and The Guest – is signed on to direct a new face-off sequel that he's going to co-write with his frequent collaborator, Simon Barrett. Wingard confirmed this news on social media. He clarified that the film is not a remake and instead will be a sequel. And then Deadline added that they believe John Travolta and Nicolas Cage will not be returning for the film. So quickly, let's talk about why this is a bad idea. Mike. Yes. What is the point without Nicolas Cage and John Travolta? Yeah. There's no freaking point i mean the the movie has such a a 90s john woo magic to it that i'm not sure it really makes sense to do it but you know if if adam wingard thinks he can make something out of it then you know why not give him a shot brian can you eat a peach for hours (laughs) peach (laughs) i can eat a peach for hours that that movie is insane it's very much like a product of it's time. You said it best, Mike. I mean, I, I mean, we can agree that Nick Cage would make a movie like that now, but he should with, make a movie. He like should that make now. a movie. Absolutely. I mean, that, like if he had never made Face Off in 1997 and just made it now, I mean, it would make sense. I would understand. It, you know, <laughs> but the combination of him and Travolta, that direction, it's it was perfect for when it when it was released, and I, I mean. I don't use the word untouchable very often, and it's certainly not the greatest movie of all time, but it's highly entertaining. That's putting yes. it mildly. Let's yeah. let's put this out on the table. Face Off, to this day, 24 years later, is probably one of the most watchable movies in existence. You can start <laughs> it at the beginning, the middle, right before the climax. It is fascinating. You have yes. John Travolta playing – Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage playing John Travolta. It's bonkers. And then you have John Woo, who 
couldn't make a boring movie if his life depended on it. Like the guy just directs everything with this like frenetic pace. It's nuts. And dubs. And so many dubs. So, so many, many dubs. dubs. And <laughs> but then you throw in this whole premise of face off, you know, and it's and then you throw in what there's like a prison with gravity boots. And yeah. it's just yeah. there's so much going on in this movie, man, that it, you're right. It's just like a sequel can be made. Sure. I'm not going to say Adam Wingard shouldn't make whatever he has in his heart. Go do it, especially because, you know, you're next and the guest are two of my favorite movies in like the last decade. So go for it. I have, I have faith that these guys are good at what they do. I just don't know if you're not going to have John Travolta and Nicolas Cage come back. And and granted, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, you'll probably know this, but didn't Nicolas Cage's character die? Yeah, it doesn't matter in the world. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So thematically, sure, he shouldn't probably return. But in our heart, Caster Troy. Yeah. Oh, my God. There it is. Face off to the return of Caster Troy. Please. Or it could be about his brother Pollux. It could be about Pollux Troy. I mean, he did have a brother in prison. Um, Didn't didn't he die? uh, Again, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't. I guess I guess just to wrap this up, because we want to talk about uh, other fun movies. But I I personally think that there is no there's no point. It's a movie that just doesn't need a sequel or a remake. No, it's it's great. And lightning in a bottle is it really is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're all in agreement. We are pessimistic about the outcome of <laughs> yeah. a face-off, to say the least. But, you know, go with God, Adam Wingard, do your best, and, you know, I'll the watch second, it. The second they say Nick Cage and John Travolta are back, the sec- is, is the time I turn around and say, now you have my attention. Yes. If they were to say that, I would literally put this at the top of my most anticipated list. Absolutely. <laughs> and I would devote an entire website to the day-to-day <laughs> progress of making face-off too. But guys, we'll never ever get a scene even if nick cage and john travolta come back we'll never get a scene even remotely akin to when nicholas cage is smoking a cigarette with his missing face and trying to talk and like <laughs> it's just amazing acting that i still can't quite understand and i don't want to or so, the church choir scene the church oh choir my God. yes <laughs> it's so wrong yeah. and so terrible but <laughs> holy crap it's just yeah we beautiful yeah Face off. If you haven't seen it, then definitely watch it. And then you will, even if you hate it, you'll agree with us that they should not touch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, and, and to be fair, it will always be there for us, no matter what, even if they made 45 sequels, it's just the, the thought of it is, is distressing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now that we got that out of the way, Let's offer some ideas about which films we believe are ripe for remaking. So for the listening audience, the three of us independently picked one film each that we believe will make a good remake. But there were some rules. One, it had to be from the 90s, obviously. Two, it can't be a beloved film that people would lose their shit over because that's no fun. You don't remake Face Off. You don't remake some movies. And three, it has to have a strong enough premise that it doesn't just feel like a run-of-the-mill action movie because the, the 90s were... Wow, full of some of those run-of-the-mill action movies that were just terrible. I'm going to be honest. I thought you said pick a bad movie. So I purposely picked a movie that isn't very good. <laughs> well, I, 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 so here's the thing. I, I think that they're bad movies, but bad in a subjective way, 
Right, they're uh, entertainingly bad. They're entertaining, yeah. yeah. Because why remake a terrible movie? Remake a movie that had promise. That's all we're saying. And maybe the the promise was unfulfilled. Exactly. So not we're not just going to list movies. To make things a bit more interesting, each of us is going to also pick who we think should star in the movie and who should direct the movie. So uh, I think it's best that we're probably going to go in chronological order, which means I go first because I'm choosing 1991's Double Impact. Starring the one and only Jean-Claude Van Damme, yes. For those unaware, Double Impact is the tale of two identical twin brothers, both played by Van Damme, who are torn apart after their parents are brutally murdered in Hong Kong, with one growing up in the U.S. as a pretty boy aerobics slash karate instructor, while the other stayed in Hong Kong and became a badass cigar-chomping criminal. They have to team up, take on some big bad crime boss over the rights to a tunnel or some such. Uh, <laughs> honestly, the story really doesn't matter. The real attraction is early 90s clothing and not one but two JCVDs in the lead roles. Before I, I get into why I think we should go back to Double Impact and remake it and my cast and all that, I want to ask you guys quickly if you have any thoughts on Double Impact. I'll start with Brian. Honestly, honestly, I feel like like Van Damme flirts with an odd amount of greatness in this film and it's it, and i'm not just saying that like this is like the best of the worst movies that john claude van damme has done i'm not saying that at all i really feel like he's he's honestly trying and it's it's really fun it's it is it great no not at all but it's it's really fun what he tries to do with his dual roles to make them different is 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 a study that every acting class should should take in at some point. <laughs> well, you mean it, slick back hair and a cigar? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So the, the <laughs> for those who haven't seen the movie, the big difference between Jean Claude number one and Jean Claude number two is one That's wears a trench coat and has slick back hair and a cigar, and the other wears pastels, short shorts, and uh, doesn't have slick back hair. I think that's that's pretty much it. And the reason Jean Claude kind of is like all in on this movie, I think goes down to the point where he co-wrote this movie. So this is like his big follow-up to Bloodsport and Lionheart. Like this was pre-Time Cop, which I know is one that we all love. So this is like, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme really kind of being that that Stallone-esque guy. So yeah, Mike, what do you think of Double Impact? It's certainly not a good movie, but it's very entertaining. And that is someone who hasn't seen it until a couple of days ago. I'd never seen this movie. So uh, there are a lot of things that I was running up against. The inheritance source source of the the money of it all. Like how does a tunnel generate money and (laughs) why are they after it? I don't – like I don't understand the plot of this movie at all. But there was a lot of like early 90s uh, schlock that had you know me kind of eating it up. So a lot of – weird like over macho stuff that doesn't age well but at the same time ages very well because it's so entertainingly bad and and what an ending you know that okay sign (laughs) it just works (laughs) keep it simple um and 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 also if you're uh, a big john claude van damme fan like myself you should know that uh bolo young is in this movie as well who is also the kind of the big bad in blood sport and their fight in blood sport is like iconic to a certain group of people like you know that i'm mm-hmm. part of and in this movie they do fight quite a bit but it's not as great so but he's there you know mm-hmm. so anyway for my pitch i'm not reinventing the wheel here uh i think it's best to just go with what worked before hire one action star playing two two roles we're not going to find some like 
unknown twin duo going we're going with the the army hammer thing not with army hammer <laughs> but not with army not hammer. with army hammer not these days no no <laughs> um so i think the premise can stay largely the same in that they probably won't fight over a tunnel but you know it's this whole like twins being separated close to birth and being raised differently you have to come together and kick ass we are going to what i want to do is to use my double impact as a way to introduce Americans to one of the best like subgenres of action movies right now, which is the Indonesian action film. Oh, I like where you're going mm. with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So for my lead, I'm hiring Joe Tazla. Ah, okay. No, you were you were okay. thinking Eco Uice? Yep, that he was no. one of my picks. No, no, no. Joe Taslam, here you go. If for those people listening, if that name doesn't ring any bells, then shame on you. <laughs> but seriously, uh, Taslam is about to break out in a big way because he's going to be uh, Sub-Zero in Mortal Kombat, which is uh, a big movie that's coming. But really, what you should know him for is his role in The Raid, which was great. And I think he was in a Fast and Furious sequel. I don't know. But <laughs> for me, the Joe Taslam that everybody needs to see is The Night Comes for Us. That is a movie that is one of the best action movies of the last few years. I absolutely adore that movie. So here's my pitch. The story is going to involve twins being separated at a young age, brought back together, obviously. Except this time, it's not two Belgian guys in Hong Kong, because that shit <laughs> makes sense. That have to um, bend over backwards to explain their actions. Yeah, because they're like, well, we took you out of Hong Kong, raised you in France, then to America. That's why you have a French accent inexplicably. It, we're, we're skipping all that. Instead, yeah. it's going to be an Indonesian family torn apart with Taslam playing one twin that's sent to live in the U.S. and the other who stays in Indonesia. There you go. Done. We don't even need anything else. Clean, simple. And here's the kicker. To direct my film, I'm reuniting Taslam with the Night Comes for Us filmmaker, Timo Tayanto. Mm. Yes. This is going to be my excuse to make them work together because I, I want them to work together again after the Night Comes for Us. And also, it's, again, I'm trying to introduce a huge audience to what folks are doing in Indonesia, which arguably is doing the John Wick-esque action, but better and have been doing it years before Keanu Reeves was thinking about it. So you, you don't guys... want Gareth o Evans. No. Oh, no. I, here's the thing. I want this to be, I want it to be like pure Indonesian art. Okay. I got gotcha. you. No Gareth Evans. He did the raid. I'm not trying to get him to come back and try to do something. I yeah. want everybody to see Timo because he's great. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, Mike, I'll throw it to you. What do you think of my pitch? I like it. Uh, it needs to be simple. Like, I agree with you in that. It needs to be like a John Wick revenge story with twins. Like, it, they killed their parents. There doesn't need to be this weird tunnel no. thing going on. Hong Kong politics of the 60s? No. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it as simple as possible. Make it a, a straightforward revenge story that everyone can understand and, and kind of put their arms around. And y you're gold. I, I did have some casting ideas of myself. I really do like... If you say uh, Ryan Reynolds, you're fired. Oh, damn it. There goes Where are you one. going to? I was going to say Ico. Um, yeah, yeah. But he was my third choice. The first choice was Andrew Koji from Warrior, who is Ooh, really Joe impressive. Taslam is in Warrior as well. Exactly, exactly. But Andrew just blew me away in Warrior, and I, I really, really enjoyed that first season. I haven't watched the second yet. But uh, otherwise, if you were going to go with, like, an American actor, uh, I, I am partial to – you know, uh, uh, certain actors, I, Frank Grillo popped in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, uh, there's a here's lot of the, So here's my thought process before I kick it to you, Brian, my thought process for Joe Taslam is a, he, his, uh, English is really good by the way. 
And so Same he can Andrew. play that. I'm sorry. Same with Andrew. I'm telling well, you. Well, yeah, of course. But I'm just saying that he can play that kind of American guy, but then also play the Indonesian version. Absolutely. So it's not just Jean-Claude Van Damme faking <laughs> like he's from Hong Kong with a Belgian accent. It's just crazy. And also I was thinking the first thought that went in my head and why I said Ryan Reynolds is I think if Hollywood were casting this movie, they're like, Ryan Reynolds, he can play kind of serious guy and funny guy. <laughs> right. And I just – I cringe at thinking of what that movie would be. I also had in my head Chris Hemsworth because I think he has the charisma to perhaps be like the Jean-Claude Van Damme sort of guy, right, yeah. where he can just but kind if you're of gonna set it, if you're going to set it in Indonesia or Hong oh, Kong, yeah. wherever yeah. it is – why don't you just use someone uh, exactly. like Andrew or Ico or, or Joe? Guys who can really like yeah. fight. You know, like I want the action to take center stage, not yeah. this, not the story. The story's kind of lame other than it's twins, and that's pretty fun. But, yeah, I want this to be an action showcase for sure. Brian, Excellent. what do you think? Yeah, I like the setting, and honestly, I I, I thought you were going to say Tom Hardy for a second, and, and this, would be, <laughs> this would be taking place in a world where he had not done a movie called Legend. But I just I feel like he that that's that is an awful, dreadful experience of a film. Legend is. But um, <laughs> I feel like he he could bring the right amount of difference to the two roles. We know he can. He's a great actor. He's yeah, a great actor. We know he can fight. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I I Tom Hardy or someone along those lines. I don't know who, but Mike's point about using someone from that in, in that setting that environment is hard to argue with so yeah, that's, I, I kept thinking about american actors or british yeah. actors and i kept coming back to like what's the point of having them separated if one is like an asian one's the u.s exactly you know, and then hiring a white guy it just didn't make sense to me otherwise yeah. you're gonna have like maybe one from europe and one from the u.s and then why are they why do they know kung fu and uh, martial <laughs> arts that just doesn't make sense so yeah i just i it just yeah yeah, that, that's another thing that is is only slightly explained in Double Impact. One guy <laughs> is very clearly martial arts trained. Yeah. The other or guy karate. just happens to know the same exactly. kind of style. Uh, you know, they missed an opportunity to have two different types of fighting styles for sure. Yeah, they really did. And and but it's Jean Claude, he has to yeah. do his thing. And he co-wrote the movie, so mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. He just had to do the splits, and he had to you know <laughs> feel up women and wear <laughs> short shorts, and you know, hey. And get his uh, dick wrapped in silk uh, boxers. Yes, reason. yes. <laughs> and then explain that he has a huge wang. <laughs> I think was the uh, no. There's for those who haven't seen the movie. I don't recommend watching it. I'm sorry, Mike. I thought you had already seen the movie. But <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of like misogynistic things in this movie that don't age well at all. Very it was much. clearly written by a guy who uh, who thinks he's the hottest shit ever. So mm -hmm. what what year was that again that it 1991. came out? 1991. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it very much feels like that. A lot of past yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I also wanted to mention some of the directors because obviously the actor thing I think was just kind of an, a gimme. But I did think of Adam Wingard for this, believe it or not. Um, it, oh. it did, maybe I have him on my brain. But then also I was thinking of uh, – because I wanted to go crazy. I was thinking of the Daniels. Oh. Yeah, from Swiss Army Man. Ooh. Yeah. Because I think they could have had a lot of fun with it. And then I, I just started thinking about you know some – directors who are good at action and i didn't want to think of the john wick guys so i went yeah. sam hargrave from extraction underrated sort of movie from mm -hmm. last year and then uh carrie uh Murnian and jonathan millet from becky 
which is a movie Becky, I that was entertaining yeah and i thought that they could bring that coin sort of like uh silly humor and action to it but i ultimately went with uh timo because i think he's great and that's what i want to do okay yeah but screw gareth, gareth evans apparently you know no he doesn't exist anymore so <laughs> I just, he made the raid already give him yeah. a he's conquered action we, we can move on um okay so next chronologically believe it or not mike and brian independently picked two 1995 movies mm-hmm. um it just great happens movie, that, great year for schlock great yeah. year for schlock it really mike's, was mike's came out four months prior to brian so we're gonna go to mike now take it away explain what you chose and why yeah so i chose the uh, amazing denzel washington vehicle virtuosity um yes that uh, that that's a clap from brian that is (laughs) not a clap from me uh so for for those who haven't sat through this 1995 just atrocious film but in an entertaining way it's about a former cop named parker barnes which is a fantastic movie name uh played by denzel washington who is basically imprisoned for murdering a serial killer who blew up his family um and then it's kind of convoluted. He He's recruited as an inmate to test out this virtual reality program that tests artificial intelligence. And he meets uh, this artificial intelligence named Sid 6.7, who's played by Russell Crowe with some super cheese. And basically, Sid has been modeled on hundreds of, of different deranged criminals, including the one that killed his family. Uh, so with some help of, you know, a lot of 90s technology magic that escapes into the real wor- world and um parker is recruited to help take him down um <laughs> and it's it's yeah it's about as ridiculous as it sounds the, no the it's more are... ridiculous than it's <laughs> yeah. russell crowe is so over the top and the effects are terrible but it's still got this charm to it maybe it's because i grew up watching like 90s crappy sci-fi movies that i i'm really charmed by it but it's fun. It's fun to watch. What about you guys? What do you think? I don't know why when you said the effects are terrible. I don't know why that's so funny because they were were they were they terrible even at that time as well? Yes. I, yeah, okay. I remember they thinking were. they were bad. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have a, a history with this film and I, I can still step outside of myself and acknowledge that it's not it hasn't aged well at all. It's not great. But I, I just I don't know. There's something really kind of charming about it i feel like even the supporting characters are doing things with their roles like like the guy who brings russell crowe's uh bad guy into the real world even he is like doing something that i find compelling i don't know i compelling I, is, a, is a generous word yeah yes and i think that's the guy <laughs> he's from, basically twirling his mustache the whole time. yes yes, yes. <laughs> and i believe that's the same guy from uh the mummy if i remember correctly um <laughs> Or Deep Rising. I don't know. Maybe the same guy. Mm-hmm. But um, I I don't know. I, I, I find virtuosity to be incredibly fun, and I will hand all of the praise to Russell uh, Xavier Crow. I don't think that's his middle name. <laughs> no, but it's, yeah, he is definitely not. It's great. his movie. He is great. I tend to fall on the it's really bad, but sometimes okay side of things. The special it's always entertaining. It is yeah. well, so there's a lot going on in this movie, kind of every frame. So you got to mention Denzel Washington, right? Denzel yes. Washington is in a, his own world in this movie. He's playing this as straight as they come. He is playing this as if his Oscar is depending on it. And 
you I then have this, that. This is the bone collector before the bone collector. Yeah. Ooh, ooh good it drop. Really is. This is like, this is at his prime Denzel, like literally, like he's ripped in this movie, like physically, and he is acting his heart out. But then you have Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe is basically yes. like Mark Hamill's Joker. He is like cackling and he's just all over the place. At one point, he literally does a symphony of screams oh what is that scene all about that's what a jam nuts. session wow <laughs> it's crazy but so i i just think that the the premise is very 90s this is uh i think mike mentioned this off camera i didn't realize this the same director who did lawnmower man so mm-hmm. it it's right up there with lawnmower man with like vr is gonna blow your mind man <laughs> he had a real <laughs> and, thing for vr yeah they yeah. really loved vr back then and and now people just use it to make fun of their parents and do fail videos. <laughs> but <laughs> regardless, this movie's crazy. And I, I would love, Mike, for you to now tell me how you're going to redeem this in 2020. I'm, I'm excited, too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> the problem with the original, in my view, is that it is a it's a movie that has nothing to say. It's just there for pure entertainment, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just – I like my sci-fi movies to have a little something, a little meat on the bone. That's why you know people kind of go back to Paul Verhoeven movies and stuff like that. I'd, I'd love to see what a, a Verhoeven movie would look like in the modern time with a movie like Virtuosity. So it'd be kind of like this this modern sci-fi film that has this Verhoeven tone that is you know able to be over-the-top and silly – but can also make the effects work. But it, I'd, I'd like it to have a, a through line and a, and a heart to it that comments on current racial tensions in America. So Ooh. instead of mm. instead of a private program to measure artificial intelligence, he's forced uh, into a government-funded and compromised AI-assisted study that's basically been directed to find certain races are more prone to violence and perhaps used for nefarious purposes down the line. Which, you know, uh, racist government. Hey, that's a far-fetched thing. But there's actually uh, racism in this movie, though. Yes, like, there like is. Like Denzel fights a neo-Nazi. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. So instead of it's it being like serial killers put into Sid 6.7, I'm just going to make it like one cop, you know, was trying to change the system from the inside. As a as a police officer, he was set up by his colleagues to kind of take the fall for a murder of an unarmed teen. The other is this kind of amalgamation of of black inmates that were forced into this study and have been betrayed by the system over and over and over again and, and manipulated to become more violent by these scientists, you know, in the AI version that created, you know, SID. So one represents kind of this untethered, manipulated black rage in the other represents someone who believes in the system and uses the system and it's kind of about the war between those two viewpoints so i don't yeah i i don't really (laughs) want sid to be just evil for evil's sake like russell crowe was he was fun but and you can be fun but you have to you know understand why even this amalgamated version of him has shades of gray and you have to feel for this ultimately weird amalgamation of, of people and inmates that have been forced into this and, and manipulated. So, uh, and I don't want to feed, you know, the audience spoon feed, you know, an answer to this debate. It's just one of those things where you kind of spark, spark the, the thoughts and 
you don't give them a, a hard and fast like this is the happy ending that happens. And and yes, it can be over the top and and a sci-fi action movie that still has like the the VR and 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 uh, crazy sci-fi elements to it. But ultimately, I think the more interesting part is what it's ultimately about. So yeah, cast cast wise. It just it, it felt wrong to not have John David Washington in the discussion, but <laughs> yep. yeah. I wouldn't cast him as his dad's role. I'd cast him as Sid. Ooh, um, I like it. Because wow. he, he plays a great over-the-top guy, as we've seen in Malcolm and Marie. Yep. Um, and Parker, in my version, would be probably Lakeith Stanfield I'm leaning Ooh. towards right now. Oh, man. Oh, and man. Uh, I, I really there's only one director that I'd want to see do it and, and that's Jordan Peele. Yeah. So you, when you explain the premise, I'm like, this is this is Jordan Peele. Yeah. So Jordan, if you're listening, call me. He's busy, but I, yeah. I Jordan, <laughs> if you're listening, just take it. I don't care. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. I gotta say, that's surprising because you watch Virtuosity and there really isn't anything like that in this movie at all. No. So I'm all about it. Brian, that's that's incredibly deep. I mean, Virtuosity is just a movie that starts, you know, continues and, and ends at some point. So um, <laughs> it, that's all it is. It's it's and it you know it may be kind of fun, but it's like a, a piece of candy. You'll you'll forget about it a short while later. So that's that is a movie I would love to see, especially with that cast. That is some pretty excellent casting. I mean, if yeah. you're gonna fantasy cast, you might as well pick you'd really want right yeah. no for sure for sure will it still have the crazy music god i hope you, so the, yeah. the opening scene the music is like some weird like jazz thing i don't know it's crazy <laughs> is, that, is that when he's in the first vr uh environment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. when he's wearing yeah, his right. purple like uh space like cop suit whatever the hell it is that's right i thought you were talking about the scream symphony and that has to be a, a scene that's on. oh yeah come on <laughs> just a gun to people's heads scream i need it louder yeah, oh, so strange. <laughs> Russell Crowe, man, and I think you have to bring Russell Crowe back for something, just as a like yeah. a, an attaboy. If he'll like, do it, if he'll yeah. do it, if he and, I'd bring him back as the president, if I if it was. <laughs> you are forgetting yeah. something though. You said the movie doesn't really teach us anything. It does teach us one thing: if Jesus. you are if you're brought into the real world into a synthetic body and you lose an arm, just eat glass <laughs> and you'll be fine and your or blood is going to be blue your blood is blue. okay can i just tell you guys i used to when i would brush my teeth sometimes when i was that age i would sometimes think i feel kind of like sid 6.7 right now and that is a true story because <laughs> it would come out of no, my you mouth you were sid 6.9 my friend oh, yeah, yes yes indeed <laughs> Ooh, that gave me chills <laughs> uh i i want to give that's Brian great though mike I want to give Brian a quick second to pitch this if he has it on him. I'm, I'm hitting him without sort of prep here, but you, to pull the, the veil back a little, you had originally thought of maybe doing Lawnmower Man for your pick. Yes. But Mike had already picked Virtuosity, and we thought there was maybe a bit too much overlap. Did you have a pitch or any idea for Lawnmower Man? I'd, I, I definitely had worked out the casting. Oh, um, tell, me, tell me, who's Job? Uh, Tom Hardy. That's Tom Hardy. 100 Tom Hardy. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> It, I'm, I'm guessing for the uh, Dr. Angelo character, that would be either Ray Fiennes or uh, Mark Strong. So <laughs> Solid. Yeah. That's, you know, you could go the Oculus Rift route with this one, 
but it's at the same time, I recognize that movie is so unbelievably dated yeah. um, that it, it, it's almost like unremake worthy. I mean, they obviously tried to make a sequel some years later that just <laughs> director though. I don't know. I yeah. think just because it's probably, it probably is not worthy of a remake. No, we won't, that's, we won't be hiring anybody for that. That's one of those things where we, we talked about face off not being remakeable, but just because it was such a, like a, yeah. a lightning in a bottle. Yep. Lawnmower Man is is like hackers in that it's such a movie of its time. <laughs> it is. That you really it, there's no point because you either take it too seriously and lose kind of the the silliness of it all or it just is dumb. <laughs> well, and I also want to say too that I I legitimately like 100% would love to see Mike's version of Virtuosity. Oh yeah. There's like there's things about Virtuosity that also cemented to 1995 i mean those effects obviously but then like just the overall aesthetic of the film and the fact that they they mention like emojis like 15 uh, times throughout the movie it's like yeah. well there's the scene and no one understood where, emojis no right. says, <laughs> yeah. somebody asked him they're like how do you know that russell crowe is going to be in the building he's like oh because of the smiley face sign and they're like what <laughs> right. they're like they People used to, used to smile with their yeah. emails yes <laughs> That's the line. That is the line. And when and when they said that, I immediately was brought back to that Katie Couric clip from the Today Show from that time when they're trying to explain the at symbol. It was just yeah, you just you got to move past it. And I think Mike, you're you hit the nail on the head with you got to add some uh, some meat to the bone. Otherwise, it's just a terrible terrible idea. Okay, Brian. uh, Now it's time for you to uh, tell us what your 1995 movie was. Yes, indeed. So I have chosen Money Train, which much like the uh, the titular vehicle came and went. Years. <laughs> and really, this movie is is essentially you could say it's a white men can't jump part two, but it's it, it's not um, train and weird yeah. stuff going on. Exactly. We've got Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson uh, back together again. Uh, they work as subway transit uh, police officers. Charlie. Uh, that's the Woody Harrelson character is a compulsive gambler and is swimming in debt. So there's that going on. There's the fact that actually Charlie is the adoptive brother of, of John. That's Wesley Snipes character. So there's that element. He's that's black and proud, right? Black and proud. Yeah, that exactly. Boy. And they not only are competing for the affections of grace, which is Jennifer Lopez, which I think was her first movie, I think. But might also, they, they, yeah, they might. They also have to deal with their uh, boss, played by the disgraced Robert Blake. Um, the disgraced Robert Blake. At his, at, his most, at his most Robert Blake, I would say. Oh, my God. You Delectable know? in this movie. He is. And Charlie figures out at some point, in maybe the first, maybe early second act, that the money train, which is this... Uh, I guess this independently operated subway car that goes to all the the stops and collects money every day. Uh, He decides he's going to rob this thing and hatches a plan. And that's, that's really, I mean, you make it seem like he has a plan. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I guess, yeah, he doesn't really have, he does something to get on board the train. The movie should not be called money train. Now that I think about it, it really shouldn't. I was going to say that as well. No, yeah, his his idea, isn't it just to, well, this train has money on it. I need money. Yeah. Let's get yep. the money. 
And he yeah. starts piecing yeah. together little things that he can do, which honestly amounts to going down a ladder or going up a ladder <laughs> and something. And then I don't know. I, I, I have fond memories of this movie. I recognize that if I saw it now, I'd probably hate everything about it. Um, so it's purely nostalgia, but I also recognize that not only is the chemistry great between the two leads, but I love the last scene, which is set on board the train. And I think it's just really fun. And Robert Blake, this is a Robert Blake movie. <laughs> um, but what do you guys think about the I'll, 1995 box office bomb money train? I'll let Mike take this first. <laughs> yes. Okay. I did rewatch this one this week as well. Thank you. Uh, and it has, it's so many movies going on at once. Oh yeah. One, it definitely shouldn't be called money train. They mention it in the beginning and then he just, just decides to rob it in the end. And then there's these like four movies in the middle that have nothing to do with it. And, and, it's it's just so much like the the re, the random Chris Cooper serial killer plot That's line right. has it it literally torch could be taken out of the movie. Yes, torch. torch. Yes, torch. He kills female toll, toll booth workers, and it makes the movie so dark at times that you're just like, what the hell is going on in this movie? Yeah. And then there's this romance element with Jennifer Lopez, who actually is really good in this movie, and isn't the the two-dimensional like damsel in distress that that or or just the girl they're they're fighting over she is that but there's a lot to her so that's that was a pleasant surprise for me but my yeah like like you said this is a robert blake movie in that every scene (laughs) he ends up ending it with something like and i'm gonna take my three favorite lines here oh please (laughs) at the end of the first scene he goes we're going to tangle asses and and that is that is a line that is spoken in this movie and then the next time he's angry at them, he'll he'll fin- he finishes the conversation with, "I'll fuck you dead." Uh, <laughs> so there's that. And he's then, their boss. He's their boss. <laughs> Could you imagine your boss say he's gonna fuck you dead? Oh my god! I didn't okay. even understand that he was their boss. To be honest, <laughs> like I just thought he was a guy that really didn't like them uh, yelled a lot. <laughs> for whatever reason, and then called them into his office a lot to yell at them and swear at them in ways that i'd never heard before yeah. Did you have the third line? Which, yeah yeah the last of which is i will rip a hole in your throat suck your heart out and eat it uh you're talking to charlie correct <laughs> yes yes it's such oh, boy. such great great acting and um great writing because so, eyes are bugged out of his head all the time like yeah yeah he's on something we can say he's that on right? something Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is uh, very much a product of the 90s. But yeah, go ahead, Charles. It, it's, I, I yeah, this is when when Brian mentioned that he was picking Money Train, I was perplexed. This is a movie <laughs> where it's uh, I don't have fond memories of Money Train. I just remember it as like what you said, Brian, the white man can't jump part two, where they clearly yeah. were like, these guys are great together. Let's figure this out. And, you know, it's. Woody Harrelson in straight 90s backwards hat Woody Harrelson mode and yeah. Wesley Snipes just chewing scenery. And then, uh, well, not as much as Robert Blake, obviously, but they're great together. But, yeah, it's it, it's rough, man. They're brothers. And in the trailer, and this is a line that has stuck with me where he says, uh, you know, they talk about their brothers and Woody Harrelson says black and proud. And oh my Lord, does that not age well? But, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's not a great movie by any stretch. 
I, I, I'm speechless, honestly. Robert I don't know. Blake will fuck you dead if you yeah. say something bad about. I know. This. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm so scared. Or you know, I'll be lit on fire by torch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or hanging on the side of a building by some, uh, what Italian mob? I, I forget what they were. Something it's like funny that. because like those scenes of Charlie like in trouble, or like the scene when John Wesley Snipes goes to the strip club to like track down the you know, the, the loan sharks or whatever. And like those scenes I know are supposed to be really gripping. And I just remember thinking like, God, this is, this is endless. Like just get to some more train stuff and, or was, wait, no, yeah. we haven't seen a train stuff yet. That's like yeah. drag built for Wesley Snipes to be, you know, doing his karate thing in those parts. That's oh, yeah. true. Kicking That's guys right. through windows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brian, let's, let's, let's hear your pitch. Yeah. Give us the gold. Well, where, where are you bringing money train into the 21st century? I I recognized because here's the thing. I've been on the the Wikipedia for money train quite a few times over the years. And because I, I wanted to find out what happened to the money train. It turns out it's in a museum somewhere. Anyways, um, <laughs> were you going to buy it or something? I mean, I'm, I wasn't not <laughs> going to buy it, but much like in the boxcar children where they bought the anyways. Oh, so. The I realized there's absolutely no way with how you know money is handled more you know digitally now electronically it's it's coinage and things like that is not not the way to uh, collect money as Are you often as Bitcoin train. Um, oh, well now that God. I have your attention, um, <laughs> <laughs> let me bring up this PowerPoint. But um, so GameStop train. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Go ahead. I'm it's, sorry. But no, it's I, I I definitely feel like we need to keep some of those premises in there of, or the plot lines in there. I mean, not all of them, but I would like to see, you know, Charlie's descent. You know, I, I'd like to see something done with that more. And I feel like someone who has shown me he can play really gritty, you know, down on his luck character who also can, you know, keep the adrenaline pumping uh, would be Robert Pattinson. So, and uh, after seeing good time, I thought, you know, this guy, he's, he can, he can do just about anything as far as I'm concerned. So I would choose him. Good time. Yes. Large shoes to fill Woody Harrelson. I know. So he would be that, that character. I would, there's not a whole lot more. I would change the romance angle. I would keep that. I don't, I don't have somebody for the Jennifer Lopez character because quite frankly, it's not a terribly, I don't see it as a terribly difficult role. I think a lot of actresses can handle that pretty well, but wow. you know, I just I, shots fired at Jennifer Lopez here. I, hey, come <laughs> she brought charm to that character. My friend, she wasn't she quite Selena at the time, but yeah, she did well. Yeah, she did. She did. She's fine. She's totally fine. But I, I feel like we need somebody like maybe a, a Michael B. Jordan in okay. the, um, Wesley Snipes role, um, somebody who's, you know, because obviously, like, in, even in Money Train, they were very much polar opposites. Uh, we need somebody a bit more suave. I, I feel like that Michael Jordan, Michael Michael B. Jordan could yeah. handle that well. I would love to see Dean Norris as the Robert Blake character. Um, I love how you're like, I'm Dean not going to cast Jennifer Lopez. Everybody can do it. But yeah, got to cast Robert Blake. Got to yeah, cast you got to touch that one. I just Norris is great. He, I, I think he could deliver those lines with just the right amount of, of intensity. And he just, even his face is so, just so menacing sometimes that, and oddly enough, Dean Norris also in Lawnmower Man. But anyways. 
<laughs> I, it all comes back. It all comes back to Lawnmower Man. But again, again, this is not me trying to put down J-Lo or that role in particular. I just feel like let's focus on on the heavy hitters here and those scenes where it's the three of them, Blake, Harrelson, Snipes, were ridiculous, but also pretty fun. Yeah, those lines you mentioned, Mike, are... <laughs> I don't know how you'd update those, but you don't. You just shoot <laughs> you them. probably you don't. Them. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. So obviously we're not gonna have a movie about him, you know, robbing this train that's I think in the movie is running like all the time. The money train's always out there collecting funds from the different uh, you know collection booths. So we can't have that anymore because that doesn't really exist anymore. Maybe it comes around once in a great while, and that you know, kind of hatches, you know, Pattinson's, Pattinson's plan. Maybe it's a once a year thing. Maybe he, the train comes around once a year to collect a really, really big sum of money. And, and that he has one shot at this. I don't know. Cause in the movie he had in the original money train, he had one shot as well, but we need to make but it a really, little, he had all the shots. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had the one shot on a Tuesday. He did. <laughs> well, yes, yes. So, I don't know. I, I that's the way I see it is if if we're gonna call it money train and there's going to be an actual train that collects money and that doesn't that sort of transaction doesn't really occur these days, something like that. Um you could go the whole hacking funds route, but God, I then I, I keep going back to live free or die hard and Yeah, no uh, that I wouldn't work. No. But director, <laughs> it's I, I keep I want it to be I'd want it to be really fun. So I thought about, I can't pronounce their names, but the guys who did Bad Boys for Life, I thought oh, that yeah. was really fun. Coming in second, and this would be more for the grittiness that I think we need in between the train sequences. I'd go with Neil Blomkamp, you know, give him like a wow. smaller film like this, because, you know, so many of his films have a lot of grit to them. And yeah, but where's like the fake alien or robot? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan was a robot the whole I, time. Oh, you know, oddly. I'm and he a, says, I'm robot and proud. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> third, third choice would be Brad Payton, even though I did not enjoy San Andreas or Rampage. But in the spirit I like of like, San Andreas, you're just, you're just doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, here, just get over here, Brad Payton. Um, I love how you're realistic about this. You know, like, okay, this is not going to get like a Scorsese. So Brad Payton, no. you're hired. Yes. And I think we'd have to have some sort of a twist, quote unquote, at the end, where maybe it's revealed that this is like a sequel and Woody and Wesley show up like at the very end. Like maybe... They have to stop the train at some point during the big, you know, chase scene where they've 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 got the train. They're trying to get away. They have to stop the train and they, oh, what are we going to do here? How do we get away from the cops who are chasing us right now? And then suddenly, from out of the darkness in the tunnel, maybe we can help. And then these, <laughs> there they are. I'm, I'm just, just imagining in the there tunnel. they are. I'm just imagining the scene in uh, Avengers: Infinity War where Cap's like <laughs> yeah, out of the shadows by the train. Like coming up and the music swells and it's Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. Oh God, that gets my blood pumping. Oh man. <laughs> Jesus. And then Woody says something like, you know, oh, the money may be different, but the train's all the same or something. Stop it! Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Are you kidding? Oh my God. Wow. 
okay. <laughs> All right. I I see no reason why this shouldn't be made now. <laughs> oh Brad Payton, call me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my third third choice pick, Brad Payton. What else well, are you doing these days? Rampage two. Well, <laughs> he, he does whatever the Rock wants, right? Like exactly. I think he probably has like another Rock movie. Did, he, he didn't do Skyscraper. That was somebody else, right? That was somebody I, else, and I'm. Just I assumed it was him. Right now, who would be Torch? Because Torch would have to factor. Wait, no, in you oh. would take the Torch role out. Yeah, it makes remove no Torch. Sense. Okay, all right, that's yeah. fair. Remove Torch. Okay, bye, Torch. <laughs> and and my and my pick for the Jennifer Lopez character is uh, Isa Gonzalez from uh, Baby Driver. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Well, you didn't say it fast enough. She's my choice. Okay, that's pretty solid. Yeah. I have different casting choices as well for the leads. If you yeah, want to hear, please, yeah, please, have, please go. If you want to go older version, I have Idris Elba and Bill Burr. <laughs> oh, or, Burr. Or that would be go, the funniest version for sure. Yeah, it would be hilarious. Or you'd go Pete Davidson and Donald Glover for the young crowd. I thought about uh, Donald Glover. Yes, Glover it would, would just, be. It would just be about smoking weed. It would be weed train. Smoking weed. Oh, maybe that's what it is. You change it from money to weed. (laughs) Really, it's just the train that we need. It doesn't matter what's holding. holding. (laughs) (laughs) This money train. Okay. I don't, I hate to break it. I don't think Netflix is calling, Brian. Uh, oh, they, they're definitely not calling. There's that's not even <laughs> a question here. Do you have any ideas for casting for this one, Charles? Uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, I would sooner just have Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson back, and yeah. just not even explain it, and just have the same Kangol hat turned backwards for Harrelson <laughs> and Wesley Snipes doing his crazy because he's he's still great. He's still Wesley Snipes. He can still do the high kicks, yeah. and you know, obviously, you can't bring back Robert Blake, but uh, Dean Norris was an inspired choice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think the only thing, the way, the only way this actually gets made is with the two stars coming back. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Money trains you money harder. <laughs> <laughs> or train harder. I don't this know. This could be Renny Harlan's big, big comeback. I mean, Rennie he was Harlan. the king of the mid nineties action for a little bit. So was he though? I, I, Charles, but he did, he did enough of it to he did a lot of mid 90s action right that's true maybe not the the king of it but yeah yeah okay yeah. well uh we've Anyways. talked about money train i think the wheels have fallen off so to speak <laughs> um <laughs> let's uh let's wrap up here just to to wrap up face off please don't do it adam wingard <laughs> bring no. back nick cage bring back john travolta uh bring back pollux then we can talk. <laughs> we 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 instead would love double impact, virtuosity, which would win Oscars apparently. Yeah. And... <laughs> I'm sorry I went too hard, guys. No, no, that's great. And then no, that, uh... movie would, that movie would start some real honest conversations. I feel like as people yeah. are walking out. Yeah. <laughs> and I acknowledge I am the last person that should be pitching that, but I, it just that's the the idea that came to me. So I had no, to no, I I love the idea. Um, I think you, yeah, I, I would actually, of the three movies, as much as I love my own choice, just for <laughs> selfish reasons, because I love everybody involved, I, I think Virtuosity is actually the, the best pitch, and I didn't think that that was going to yeah. be the case before. Um, I'll be expecting my, my trophy in the mail. 
Yeah, right. And then Brian, um, where does this one go? Uh, Redbox? Do they still release movies? <laughs> well, I, I'm going to say maybe. It Is makes it, it to what? IMDb TV. Yeah. It's an IMDb <laughs> TV original. It's going to be something like that. No, I mean, what ended up happening is Quibi, Quibi got it and then went out of business. <laughs> and now the rights are all uh, tangled like some asses. And <laughs> now there's just no way they can make that movie. I spit out my water. I did. I literally <laughs> did it. Okay, I'm going to well, be honest. I, I have the trailer for Virtuosity 2021 playing in my head right now. And it's so exciting. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where we end up. If you remake movies, I think is the moral of the story. If you remake movies, pick movies that aren't great and try your best to update them. Don't pick good movies like Face Off. And <laughs> yeah, twins always make action movies better. VR is so cool even today. And I don't know what trains carry money anymore. But yeah. And if you do remake Face Off, Adam Wingard, at least have a scene where... Nicholas Cage, even if it just comes back for one scene, is inexplicably like ha- uh, having like a love scene with a peach for <laughs> ten minutes straight. Or do, or do the call me by your name. Oh, oh. <laughs> Jesus, Jones. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. Sweet. And with that, we're done. Um, like I said at the beginning, we uh, since you were talking about Nicolas Cage, we do have an interview with the director of Willy's Wonderland. So make sure you listen to that. That's some real batshit crazy Nicolas Cage. And uh, yeah, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Mike and Brian, for playing this little game with me. I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, do it again. Uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we will talk bad movies, I'm sure, more down the line. Um, so, yeah, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.